0: my pronouns are she, her, and hers. On today, we are going to look ahead to the summer to an upcoming session through PTC, Principles Training Center, that you can attend. This is in Rome. All of the information about this session will be over there in the show notes. Our guests are going to walk you through what the session's about and also why this session, why the questions that Um, are a part of this session are really important for us to be considering. Before we dig into that conversation, I do want to remind you that on April the 11th, if you've not yet joined the QueerWisdom.com Slack space, again, you can get to that free Slack space by heading over to QueerWisdom.com. On April 11th and 12th, author Catherine Locke will be there to field any of your questions about their work asynchronously. Um, if, like me, you're a big fan of the book, What Are Your Words?, this is a great opportunity to connect with Catherine Locke and to find out, perhaps, ways in which you can invite that author into your school. Now, on to our discussion with two phenomenal educators. Again, links to connect with them after the episode are also over there in the show notes.
1: I am Shannon Leone. I use she, her pronouns, and I am currently a high school counselor at International School, Bangkok, Before this, I was in Belgium for six years, and I am a clinical social worker, and I've been doing this work in international schools for over eight years now. I'm originally from Chicago, so I'm a huge fan of deep dish pizza, and I hate the cold as a result. And when I'm not working in a school, I also lead workshops on LGBTQ plus identities, and I love to read, I love to travel, and I love my cats.
2: All right. Trisha, thank you for inviting me. Like I said, this is my first podcast. My name is Cheryl Ann Weeks. I am a high school counselor. I've been a high school counselor since 1997. I stopped counting the years, so I just say the year I started. I was born in Barbados, and so my favorite things in the world are the ocean, coconut water, coconut ice cream, and traveling. I grew up in Boston. I moved to Boston when I was 11 and I'm really excited about being a school counselor internationally. I've been doing that since 2010, and I've lived in a couple of different countries. I don't have a favorite. People always ask me um, what is my favorite. Uh, Recently, I started a consulting business called Weeks Enterprise, where I plan to do workshops for educators and community organizations around consent and mental health and positive self-talk, because those are my favorite things to talk about with my students. And so I thought, what a better way to talk to educators about those same things.
0: That's fantastic. Thank you, Sherilyn. And we'll be sure to include the link to your consultancy over in the show notes, because I, you know, it's interesting. The last few episodes have had a few conversations about just usualizing conversations around mental health, um, how in the world of education, um, you know, just sort of talking about the reality that it's something that we're all working on, um, you know, especially right now uh, and and maybe just like normalizing, get help when you need it. Um, And um, uh, you know, that's, it's good for us to do that. It's good for us to take care of ourselves. And it's great for us to be in communities where those conversations are safe. So thank you both for for giving up some of your time. We are together today uh, to talk about your upcoming PTC. That's the Principal's Training Center, an upcoming PTC session that you have that will be in person in Rome, uh, July 11th through to the 15th. Uh, And I I just want to quote from the overview first, quote, international school counselors have a professional and ethical responsibility to continuously grow their awareness, knowledge, and skills around cultural diversity, equity, and inclusion to be effective practitioners. There is a growing body of research that demonstrates the impact that school counselor advocacy plays on contributing to equitable and inclusive schools, end quote. So I kind of want to hear the story about how the two of you have come to co-facilitate this and and maybe just ask you to point to a situation, uh, an incident, an anecdote that has done the most to influence your work in designing this session.
2: Okay, um, Kristen reached out to me, I wanna say in December um, on a recommendation from Ellen Mahoney who runs Sea change Mentoring the Circulus Institute. Ellen knew me, our paths crossed over the last year and a half through the self-care and mental health work that I've done with ALOC. And ALOC is the Association of International Educators and Leaders of Color. And it was started by Kevin Simpson. And it's basically a support community for those of us who are in the international space as educators and leaders of color. And we have have webinars and affinity groups and just different ways to kind of support us as we're going through the struggle that can sometimes be international education. And so she recommended me to Kristen and Kristen and I had a conversation. As far as what kind of informs the work that I do and it helping me in terms of influencing me in terms of designing this course with Shannon, I would say my work as a school counselor over the years, not just the international work, but even when I worked in DC, because I have been working with students who have been dealing and with sexuality identities and who have been challenging sexuality and gender identities probably for the entire career that I have. And so that along with having conversations with students about you know, police brutality in the US and Black Lives Matter movements, all of that kind of informs what this work is that we're creating so that we can have these conversations with other counselors so that they can be more aware. Because it's so important that we can have every conversation with our student that our students bring to us, that we're not like, oh, I can't talk to you about that. Or oh, I don't know what to say about that. That we should be informed and knowledgeable so that we can have those conversations with our students, so that they feel supported.
1: For for me, with getting involved with this, this was such a, a random thing that came across. Um, that I came across. I, I have a coworker here who's led the PTC courses before, and I'd been aware of the courses, but I've never been able to attend them. And I, to be honest, I didn't really know there was a counselor training center portion of this. So. When this came up i was really excited about it and really excited to see that they're looking at their material and they want fresh ideas and fresh takes on the subject and i was paired with cheryl ann and i i really am surprised we would never met before because we're kind of in the same orbit in terms of the the workshops we attend and the people that we know and have worked with before so i'm really grateful for that connection and i i think for me when i was first looking at the course it, it, it still feels like a big task to rewrite a curriculum and to rewrite the course itself. Um, it used to have a different title, so this year we're going in a different direction. Um, and this idea of culturally responsive counseling, it's more than just counseling. I think that's something that ha- that's come up for us. It's not just for counselors who are already seasoned counselors, for example. It's also for folks that really wanna deepen their understanding of um, diversity work and equity and inclusion, justice work, uh, knowing more about LGBTQ plus identities, uh, we're going to cover a lot of things in just a short amount of time, but I think for, for me, I'm, I'm viewing this as the PD I, I, I wish I'd had a couple of years ago. I think as counselors, we have to seek out professional development opportunities. We don't often get that handed to us. Oftentimes, they're just geared towards teachers or administrators. So this feels really important to be creating a space for counselors and, and for folks that want to be counselors or just want to know the subject um, I think that's that's where my interest levels come into that. And I just a little anecdote to highlight why this feels important to me is that I, I v- remember vividly my first week when I was at my last school in Belgium, I was paired with a new student who had just, uh, come out as transgender and wanted to know how we could support him in this process of transitioning into the new school. And I had zero idea of what to do in, in terms of the context of international schools and how to fully support this student. And so I was desperate at the time for education and for, you know, figuring out how to, how to, how to do that, how to work with this student and, and be there for them and help guide this journey. And so I just started taking it upon myself to to research and to talk to people and to attend trainings and workshops. And I think that's where I've just noticed that there's so many gaps here in terms of um, giving us the knowledge that we need. So yeah, I'm really excited about this opportunity for sure. And I
0: think, uh, you know, for listeners just starting to hear a little bit about this, the opportunity that this session brings, again, the link to it is in the show notes where you can see the full list of some of the essential questions that will be explored in this session. It's a great list. It's a list of questions that, you know, anybody I think who has anything to do with education, these need to be discussed. They need to be reflected on, mold over. Um, And I'm wondering if each of you just could put a spotlight on one of those questions uh, and again, you know, your, your professional expertise and experience I know goes into how you think about that question, you know, the, the priority in which that question shows up in this session. So again, can, uh, can you just share a little bit about how that expertise is showing up and, um, why that question for you, according to your experience, um, specifically important. I know they all are. So again, Sherilyn, I feel like people asked you to pick a a favorite country that you've lived in. And I'm sorry that I'm asking you to pick a, a favorite question from that list of essential questions. My apologies for that.
2: No, no apologies necessary. It's a great question because it really allowed me to kind of hone in on which things I, how, or how I would prioritize it. Right. Because all the questions are important, but some are prioritized a little differently. What I would say is that question about how can counselors contribute to and advocate for a safe, inclusive, welcoming environment for students that embraces diversity is the one that I would prioritize the most. Because as a counselor, I feel like my number one job is to be a student advocate, right? And what that means is I need to be able to point out behaviors, point out policies, point out things that are happening that create unsafe environments, because what I want to do, my mission is to make sure that every student feels safe. And that's different for every student. So for me, it's just that when students come to us and they're dealing with things, whether it is bullying, whether it is teasing, whether it's that they want to come out to their parents, whether it's that they're struggling with mental health challenges because they have to hide who they are, we need to be able to create an environment where they can be themselves. Right. And so for me, that's always been the biggest thing. Part of why that's important to me is because I'm a black girl with dreadlocks. Up until last year, they were red and they were all the way down to my back. So people stared when I lived places internationally. Right. And so I've always known when it felt to be othered, for lack of a better word. And so as a counselor, my purpose is to make sure that students understand and feel safe to be themselves and different. And so what that means is they don't have to hide, you know, and so it means that when I see problematic behavior, whether it is by other students or staff people that I have to have the courage to say, hey, that's not okay." Or when a student comes to me and says a teacher said this and it made me feel this way that I have. The courage to go to that teacher and say hey Shannon talked to me today and you said this and this is how it made that student feel. I have to be willing to be uncomfortable in those conversations. I have to be willing to point out certain things that I see and to go to my supervisors and say this is what students need.
1: I I love your answer for that and because I feel like that's such an important thing to highlight that is part of our role, right? As counselors, we wear so many hats all the time, but just that of an advocate, I think that you just speak so well about how important that is. Um, I think another essential question that came up for me in terms of importance is what role do diversity, equity, and cultural background play in building relationships? And to me, I, I feel like this is the baseline of the work we we do with our students, and this needs to be paramount in our approach to working with them. I think that as counselors, there, there can be um, almost a complacency sometimes if you have been at a place for a long time and you feel like you know the cultural makeup of your students and your population to feel like, oh, I got this. I, I don't need to ask more questions about the student who's coming from a country I'm kind of familiar with because I already worked with another student from that country. But I think we need to maintain a level of curiosity here. And especially when we look at um, diversity, equity and cultural backgrounds, You know, thinking about how we want this work to be transformational and not transactional. I, I think that that's a, a key thing for me here. And um, especially working in international schools, we we have to just remain aware that someone's gonna walk through the door and you might not have any idea what their background is or what they've been through or what their lived experience is. So, Um, we want to explore what that can look like for folks and, and how to address that. And so it's, it's a humbling work for sure. Cause I think you're never done learning how to do this.
0: Absolutely. And I think, you know, the work that both of you are touching on there, it's not as though like, oh, I've done, you know, a weekend workshop or I read that book. I saw that Ted talk. And then all of a sudden I'm well-versed into how to just be with my discomfort and continue, you know, not have the own comfort, just be the wall that prevents next steps from happening. Um, uh, You know, and also just doing that work with identity that you're talking about there too. You know, this is, it's not about finishing the studies and having some sort of like, ah, I'm an expert now, but just really sustaining those conversations I think are so important. Um, So I'm really glad that both of you have, have put a spotlight on those. Uh, you know, I I find even outside of my professional life, in my personal life, um, you know, Sherilyn, it's your point of, okay, this is going to be an uncomfortable conversation that I will need to have. It's a life skill, right? Um, And it doesn't necessarily stop. Um, So for counselors who are coming to this session, and they are looking, they're coming in looking to develop their capacity to help them reflect on how their own biases are showing up, right? The you know, the, the professional and personal people that we are, um, you know, I, I don't know if either of you have seen the new TV show Severance, which basically like you go to work uh, and your real life person has no understanding of your work person. Um, so it's sort of anyway, it's like a science fiction ty- type of a show. But, you know, that's not our reality. The people we are and have been and our lived experiences, those things come through in our work. And it's important, of course, to unpack those biases and, and how they're, they're showing up. I'm wondering if either of you has an example to share of how in the world of education, we have to do that critical reflection. And again, um, it's not, oh, I did that three years ago, done with that. You know, it's not a tick box. Um, how does that make a difference for our students when we do that, when we're willing to keep doing that critical reflection, reflecting, thinking about our own biases and, and how they're showing up for us at at our jobs?
2: I think it's important that we remain vulnerable and open to learning, right? So like you said, Trisha, it's not like you can say, I know this already and I'll never keep learning. You have to be willing to look at your biases, to look at your privileges. You know, I think it's critical to making students feel seen. We need to walk the walk because, you know, students see us sometimes as adults who say something, but we don't really follow through because we say we're gonna do something, the policies at school say this is gonna happen, but when things happen, we shy away, right? And so by looking at ourselves and being vulnerable and allowing students to come and tell us and call us on our behavior, that allows us to keep growing, right? When when they see things happen on campus and in the world, they're looking to see how we're gonna respond and whether our responses are gonna perpetuate the status quo Or is it going to point out discriminatory language and behavior in whatever way? And when we're silent in the face of bad behavior, or we're unwilling to recognize discrimination and racism that our students feel, we become part of the problem, right? Because we say, I don't have anything else to learn. I know it all, right? Mm -hmm. And students need us to be aware of where we can learn, where we can grow, and how to reflect on that. So we need to be able to hear them come and say, you know, miss, the other day you said this, you said my pronouns wrong, or you said something that, you know, kind of didn't fit with me. Can I talk to you about that? And we need to be willing to be like, thank you for pointing that out to me. Thank you for showing me that I made a misstep. And to go further, we need to be willing to apologize to students when we do those things, right? When we make mistakes, whether they're intentional or not we need to be able to say, I'm sorry, I I shouldn't have done that. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, I forgot your pronouns and I called you something different, you know, or I said something that didn't quite sit with you. One of my favorite things is that, you know, when I lived in Africa, you know, there's this assumption that as black people, we know things about Africa, right? But we don't, you know, every African culture is different. And so learning that, that even though as a black woman, identifies with some things about Africa, there's so many things I still had to learn from my African students, you know, and I found myself open and vulnerable to when they pointed out things to me to say thank you for sharing that with me, you know, I shouldn't have said it that way. There's a wonderful TED
0: Talk, it's Patrice Gordon, and she talks about reverse mentorship and how in all learning organizations, it's important that you, you look at that hierarchy of not always saying know it's the person who's been there the longest the person who's the quote-unquote most successful who is always the mentor but you know all learning organizations schools are learning organizations Um, there's real value in just thinking about that that power dynamic of who is a mentor of who is a coach Um, I, i i love that cheryl ann and you know realizing the modeling that we do in having that always be a two-way dialogue and not necessarily like, no, I am the beholder of all things wisdom. Um, you know, I, I just, I, I think for young learners to see all of the folks who are educators on their campus modeling that willingness to learn, that intellectual humility, that um, it, it's just, that's massive. I think we talk, especially IB schools, a good game about lifelong learning. It's in that day-to-day, right? It's exactly as you said, that willingness to I made a mistake, I want you to hold me accountable, like I always want to be doing better, I always want to be working on my inclusive language, that's lifelong learning right there. Um, of course, you know, working towards inclusion in schools, again, it's not work that can be done in a silo. It's not, you know, one person's job. Um, it, you know, it is about the, the community coming together. Can you speak to the ways in which your session hopes to be a catalyst for principals and educators to partner with counselors to make sure that it's not, oh, you know, there's the counselor's office over there doing their own thing,
1: but that it is that partnership? Yeah, I think this is such an important um, thing to consider, because I I feel like for a lot of folks, we, for a lot of counselors, we do work alone a lot of the time, right? I mean, we work as part of a team or a cross-divisional team if there's a bigger school, but I know for me in my first job, I was the only counselor for the entire school, so it was just me consulting with myself a lot of the times. Um, I did have support, of course, but I think this partnership is a huge piece for this, and this idea of um, collaborating and, and learning how we can assist and support our principals and, and admin um, as we work to advocate for students and we suggest new policies. And especially as we address discrimination and, you know, provoke violence prevention programs, all of these things that are super important. I think part of what my hope is, is that counselors are seen as more, um, change makers and agents of change I think sometimes we often get bogged down with the day-to-day parts of our job that are obviously very important but my hope is that this yeah as you said this isn't done in a a, a silo or silo I don't know how to pronounce that word
2: me either
0: listeners me either. write in let us know which which pronunciation we <laughs> know you prefer.
2: <laughs> I agree so, Shannon I think we're a team. And we need to find our tribe. Is what I tell people. If it's not another counselor, then whoever is on campus. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Uh, and in terms of you know bringing that partnership together, because I I fully recognize there might be plenty of listeners thinking, right? I do want to partner with my counselor, but because we've kind of I'm going to change the other word and have it be like cubbyhole because we're all working in our our different cubbyholes. Um, you know, we haven't had that partnership before. I don't know this person that well, so how might I actually start that partnership in my organization? What are some invitations that you think either school leaders or educators can be bringing to you in terms of, hey, can we partner on, you know, XYZ? Or put another way, what are are some conversations that you would just love to hear more counselors and their school leader counterparts and their fellow educators having?
2: Oh, that's a big one. Um, So for me, I I say before you go to partner with somebody, you need to do your work, right? Your individual work. I'm big on individual work. And what that means is reading books and articles on anti-racism and anti-Muslim bias and anti-Asian hate and Black Lives Matter because these things are out there. TED Talks and the amphitheater. Information League, you know, there's so much resources out there. And here's what I love to tell my students Google is a great resource. And so I'll say that start there. Start there by knowing something and knowing what you want to partner on. Go ahead and read and educate yourself first. And then once you've done that, you're like, oh, I really want to work with this and go to your counselor and introduce yourself and say, I am Ann, and I teach whatever. And, you know, I saw this great article or I saw this great TED talk or I read this great book and I want to know how we can fit that into advisory right because we use advisory for those conversations and a lot of times like Shannon says it's us the counselors giving things to the teachers to do right and some of it feels like here we go again but what we would love and I mean it what we would love is for a teacher to come and say you know what I read this and I really i heard this podcast oh my goodness and the conversation was so great can we f- figure out a way to fit this into advisory can you help partner with me and come into my class and have this conversation with my students because then we see that there's buying that it's not just something that we're giving to you so that's what I would say and of course I have a list of people to get started, but I'll do that at the end or I'll send it to you, Tricia, so you can put that list along with it. Um, The book that I read recently that I really enjoyed is it's called This Book is Anti-Racist by Tiffany Jewell. It's an excellent book. And here's why I love that book, because it's easy to read and it has activities at the end of each chapter. So I say, if you want to start with a book, start with that one, but you can start with Ted talks, articles.
0: I, I, lo- I love that. And we, I would love to have that, that list as well. I think that's a really great, um, way to approach that invitation is let's gather around this resource. Um, you know, let, let's just sort of, cause it's, it's almost sort of like you're inviting a silent thought partner to the conversation. Um, and I like how, in a way, that sort of we can begin to formulate our opinions, we can begin to have this conversation, and it doesn't necessarily mean me disagreeing with you, you disagreeing with me. Let's, let's again, kind of have this, this third-party resource um, as a place to, to kind of, um, you know, just be the catalyst for that conversation. That's a, that's a really great way
1: of framing it. Something I want to mention as well, just related to what Cheryl was talking about with resources and I don't know if this is just something that I'm noticing it at my workplace, but a lot of people have come up and said, Oh, I want resources or can we create a resource bank? But I, I think to some extent we're, we need to be past that as well. Right. Cause I think sometimes people want here, give me, tell me what to read, tell me what to do. And then, and then what, right. And then, so I think part of what I'm noticing too, the conversation around all of this Really important. Um, We call it DEIJ at my school. This work that we're doing is that folks want just a resource bank and tell me what the next step is, instead of them figuring out, like Cheryl had said, googling it, figure out what to do yourself, take it upon yourself to learn and to take next steps. So I think, um, yeah, often we can be put in that position to, you know, to be always the ones introducing things. So this partnership is super important with teachers and admin. Absolutely, help us do this work together. Right.
0: Lastly, uh, I'm sure there are listeners that are hoping to connect and learn with both of you. They might not, um, you know, be in that position to be on a plane to Rome this summer. So for those who, um, you know, they, they can't make it to Rome for PTC, they want to connect with you. What's your preferred way for folks to reach out? How else might they learn with you? Um, what are some other ways that you love partnering with schools or individual educators?
2: So I, they can reach me first through my website, weeksenterprise.com, or they can reach me on Twitter, BayGen Weeks, or they can check, find me by my name, Cheryl Ann Weeks on LinkedIn, or through my community efforts with ALOC. I do a lot of work with ALOC. Um, we actually have an infinity group that I do, which is called Self-Care Sundays. And we meet once a month and we kind of just Talk with educators of color about what they're dealing with. My favorite things to talk about, like I said, is mental health, consent, boundaries. Boundaries is really, really, really important. And a lot of times we struggle with how to do that professionally. It's my favorite thing to help people think about. So reach out.
1: Sounds great. Thank you. Uh, For me, I sometimes can be seen on Twitter. Sometimes I forget I have a Twitter, but I I do occasionally use it. It's uh, Miss Shannon L. And also on LinkedIn as well, Shannon Leone. And I'm active in ISCA as well. And um, looking ahead, I'm going to be doing a workshop with Earcoast, hopefully in person in the fall, but most likely virtual. We'll see what happens. But um, yeah, if anybody has any questions about the work that Cheryl and I are doing or Want to chat about either the course with the ctc or just with us in in general we'd love to chat and connect absolutely thank you so much trisha for having us for this conversation right great i mean thank you
0: thank thanks thanks to you both i mean you know when you're putting together a session like this and when you're co-facilitating um i find often co-facilitation demands more planning but it also means it's professional development for self So I know that you're both really busy um, working on on all of that. So thank you for for being so generous with your time. Listeners, all of the links that you've heard us refer to as well as their Twitter handles will be over there in the show notes. Reach out. Hopefully you can connect uh, and register for their session. That is this July in beautiful roma so thanks to you both um and who knows maybe we'll have another conversation down the road um you know co-facilitation is something i've been thinking a lot about um and and just sort of again how powerful it is for us um, as educators to go through that process especially like in the situation you're in where this is not my my friend who i've worked with for forever who is you know across from me in the hallway i think there's there's real value um in in working closely in this way with people who are not necessarily you know our lifelong buds in in a weird way that that's almost been more of a transformational learning experience for me i don't know so I no agree.
2: pressure, I hope it is for you, but no I, pressure No, <laughs> I agree. I, people would not know now that I, we didn't know each other before this, because if they listened into our conversations when we're planning, it feels like we're old friends, but we didn't meet before this. Um, and I think it's been a great learning um, opportunity and exercise for me. I will speak for myself. Um, I'm learning a lot from Shannon and I'm learning a lot about the topic Um, And so I look forward, come join us in Rome. I look forward to it, come.